Welcome to Liftoff from your friends at Relay FM. It is brought to you this time by LinkedIn and Privacy. Liftoff is a fortnightly show where you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand the latest news about space and related subjects. My name is Jason Snell, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, Jason. How are you? Uh, doing great. We should congratulate you and Mike for the $700,000 raised during National Childhood Cancer Awareness Month for St. Jude by everybody who listens to Relay and Associated Podcasts and Friends of the Network and all of that. Uh, we're in October now, but the final numbers have come in. So thanks to everybody out there who donated and congratulations to you, Stephen, and to Mike and everybody else who worked on the uh, the fundraising uh, uh, you've set a high bar for next year. <laughs> we have seven hundred thousand dollars is a whole lot of money. That is a million and a half dollars in just three years, and we're just we're completely blown away away by it. So yes, thank you so much. Uh, I should congratulate you, Jason. Oh, because you have a new podcast. I do. Imagine I that. do. It's starting this week, although it's already, there's a zero episode that's out that you can listen to if you want. It's called Downstream. If you're interested in the future of streaming media, you know, the streaming wars, what's Netflix doing? What's Disney doing? Are movies going to stay in movie theaters? What movies are going to move to streaming? Like all the kind of ins and outs and strategy of that stuff, which I love. And we talked about a little bit uh, in our uh, upstream segment on Upgrade. And I used to talk about all the time on the TV talk machine with Tim Goodman. Um, I'm going to do that with Julia Alexander. We're going to talk about it every other week, fortnightly. Same week as Liftoff, because I followed your path of having a busy week and a not busy week. I, I like that. I like that structure. Um, so starting October 6th, we'll be releasing episodes every other week, talking about the streaming world and everything about it. Yeah, it, I really enjoyed episode zero. Julia is great. She's been following this stuff for a long time. I think oh, yeah. it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, so she, she's so sharp. And it's now her job entirely to focus on this stuff. Like, that's, she's an analyst <laughs> for a company that, that all they do is research about these issues. So there's nobody better. She was already great. And then she got to make it her full-time job. So Which is cool. Yeah, it's <laughs> amazing. So I'm really looking forward to having those conversations and having my mind expanded and being able to relay that out there to everybody else we hey, like that see mm -hmm. made a joke yeah i mean it's written the name that's a good name good name <laughs> it's worked out yeah so we've got a bunch of talk about let's start about cubesats because there's some big news in the tiny satellite world uh, yeah big news from little satellites sure uh this is a story about uh, one of our pre-flight items i guess uh cubesats uh in space because that's where you put a satellite um there's a really interesting new uh cubesat out there that is uh was launched in late september it's called the colorado ultraviolet transit experiment cute <laughs> and what's cuter than a cubesat really nothing <laughs> i think not puppies you know, babies cubesats are all at the top is, of the list is it smaller than a bread box well no but almost it's a satellite but it's very tiny so this is an exoplanet cubesat which just tickles me the idea that a cubesat is being used to study exoplanets uh but that's where we've really gotten to at this point its goal is to study hot jupiters um, hot Jupiters are a kind of planet we didn't even know existed before we really started looking for exoplanets. Um, they're gas giants uh, like Jupiter, but they orbit very, very, very close to their star. That's why they're hot Jupiters. 
Uh, and they're everywhere because our first, because of the way we look for exoplanets, the first ones we spotted were large and close to their star, and they were the hot Jupiters. Um, and so, you know, we, we, we love them. We've come to know them. And cute, I just love it, cute will spend its seven-month mission observing as many hot Jupiters as it can, a, a minimum of 10. So it's going to target known hot Jupiters. And it's going to try to measure how quickly gas is escaping from their atmospheres. So the idea here is that a dynamic that happens everywhere, including our own solar system, is that the solar wind uh, pushes on the envelope of atmospheres of planets and blows off gas from those planets. And it's thought that that's why Mars lost most of its atmosphere. Um, so... Cute is going to try to help us understand the dynamics of hot Jupiters and how they lose their atmosphere. That should hopefully also help our understanding of the evolution of our own solar system and other solar systems we observe um, with their own exoplanets. So it's a cute. It's a great. It's a fun idea. Then and, and yes, you can do exoplanet research with the CubeSat. I think hot Jupiters are our favorite exoplanet type here on liftoff. I kind of, I don't know. I mean, I'm a big They're fan so of the weird. super earth. I have the super earths. You know, what could, what could, what's better than earth? Super earth. <laughs> I don't know. We'll do a, we'll have to do an exoplanet draft at some point. That's just going to be my solution to all problems is just we'll draft it and find out what the answers are. Um, I have one other CubeSat that I wanted to mention, at least in passing, um, that went up in the same launch uh, as Cute, which is Cupid, the cusp planet imaging detector not bad no they had to take the cu from cusp in order to get it to work but all right we'll we'll allow it cupid and cute went up together if only they had launched on valentine's day but that didn't happen anyway cupid is examining the solar wind uh and its collision with earth's magnetosphere so the idea there is that it's looking at that point where the solar wind smashes into earth basically and what happens and and uh, I think that's kind of cool. Just it's focused on that. And you can do that with a CubeSat. Just uh, it's not that expensive and you get to uh, develop all sorts of science. It's, uh, they're adorable. I love them. They're cute. Cute little CubeSats. That's what I say. And they launched as part of the Landsat launch last week? or From Vandenberg. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. I, I, I regret not having... That was a night launch from Vandenberg and I really regret it because I can see night launches from Vandenberg. If I, uh, because I'm up the coast from there, if I know the time and I'm out and I did it once accidentally and I've been meaning to try to find a way to set basically an alarm, an alert of some kind that if there's a night launch from Vandenberg that I should go outside and see if I can spot the, spot the, the launch because you can generally, once it gets up, gets up there a little bit, it's visible even from Northern California. I think as we move forward, we will see more of these combined launches. I mean, even Artemis 1 has a bunch of CubeSats that's taking along with it. <clears throat> so if you can put those, you know, in where you stage the rocket and, and let them free at certain times, the, the you know, the mass of them is so low, it's uh, not that big of a deal. And so I think that uh, we will continue to see this trend continue that a bunch of launches that don't have anything to do with the CubeSats themselves, we'll, we'll carry some of these secondary missions. Yeah, it's uh, it's fun. CubeSats are fun and cute. Mm -hmm. Like I said, cute. I have one more um, little bit of uh, exoplanet nerdery, I guess you could call okay. it, that I threw into the pre-flight checklist here. It's, just a, it's a fun story about an exoplanet um, 
And so there was a, a paper that came out that, that provided a bunch of uh, additional evidence that there's a triple star system called GW Ori that hosts a Jupiter-like planet that orbits around all three of the stars. So this, this planet has three stars that it orbits around, which is a lot. That's more than usual for, <laughs> yes. for, for planets. So basically, GW Ori has two small stars that orbit each other very, very closely. So they're going around in a really close, rapid little spin. And then there's one on the outside that orbits them both at a distance. And um, this system is surrounded by a big disk of dust and gas because it's a very young system and it hasn't the dust and gas has not cleared yet. Um, but this disk is visible and there's a gap in it. And what we generally know from observations in the universe is that these gaps uh, in stellar disks are often evidence, or or like Saturn's rings, or like their gaps mean there's a gravitational disturbance, and one of the possible causes of that is that there is an object sweeping up the material in that part in that path around the disk, and so it's evidence of a planet. Now it could also be evidence of uh, a interaction of the gravity of the stars that creates a gap. Um, and this new paper that was published last month, actually, they ran a bunch of computer models, and they say they disproved that alternative view that the gravity of the stars themselves creates the gap in the disk, which means that the uh, most likely scenario is now a Jupiter-like planet that's orbiting these three stars and uh, sucking up the gas and dust as it goes around and creating this gap. Now, from the planet at the distance where it is, you would actually not see three stars. I thought this was interesting. You'd see two stars because the inner pair are so close together that they just look like one light source. Um, but you'd see that other one. And so you you would get a double, a double effect from this planet. Um, and the good news is we'll have a better idea if this, if this is really right or not. Um, story I read about it quoted a scientist who is skeptical of the results, which is great, it, who said, we will know yes or no on this pretty soon because there are a couple different telescopes that uh, this fall are going to look for direct evidence of the planet that's in that disk. Uh, and that would uh, prove or disprove this discovery. But I just like the idea that there's a, a, a young uh, Jupiter being built out there. And it, if you look inward, you're going to see, uh, first off, a lot of dust and gas, so you may not see a lot. But if you could look and see the stars, you would. there would be three, but you could still only see two. It's a, it's a fun little story. Uh, the, the, the galaxy has lots of weird stuff in it, Stephen. That's, that's what we learn, have learned as we've learned more about exoplanets. Yeah, and sometimes you're standing there looking at two stars, and then you have to run off with this old guy to save your friends from Darth Vader. It could be. You would not be on a Jupiter if you did that, though. You'd need no. to be like a rocky, sandy planet yeah. to do that. Maybe a moon. Maybe it's a moon of the Jupiter. That could be. Could be. A lot of, in Star Wars, there is a lot of confusion about when things are planets and what things are moons of bigger planets. It's very like Endor, which is apparently both a moon um, of Endor, but also they call it Endor, and it's very unclear whether Endor is the planet or the moon or both. And what I'm saying is don't look to Star Wars for your scientific... Uh, accuracy because it's not that it's a good tip <laughs> oh let's take a quick break and then get into some commercial space news Woo! this episode of liftoff is brought to you by linkedin jobs today many small business owners are busier than ever i know i am i know jason is time spent searching for and interviewing candidates can take time away from managing and growing your business 
That's why LinkedIn Jobs has made it easier to get the candidates worth interviewing faster, and it's free. I've had to hire a bunch in my career, and it really is time-consuming. You're looking through resumes, you're trying to sort things out, and the tools that LinkedIn Jobs gives you makes all of that easier. You can create a free job posting in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. Focus on candidates with the skills and experience you need. Use screening questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified people. Then use the simple tools on LinkedIn Jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates worth interviewing faster. Did you know that nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? It's a great place to go. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash liftoff. That's linkedin.com slash liftoff to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Our thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for their support of the show and Relay FM. Commercial space. Let's start with Blue Origin because they have another launch coming up. Yeah, there's a lot going on uh, with Blue Origin and we'll be covering um, more mm, difficult subjects later on in the podcast. But um, for this, they are uh, doing a launch October 12th. Among the people in that launch will be uh, a Blue Origin executive, Audrey Powers. But, you know, what everybody wants to talk about is that someone else will be going into space, the final frontier. Ooh. It's William Shatner, who is 90 years old. It would make him the oldest person ever to be in space. Now, remember, the last Blue Origin launch had the new oldest person in space. <laughs> But they're gonna they're gonna push it up a little bit with William Shatner, Captain Kirk himself, uh, and remember that New Shepard goes over a hundred kilometers into uh, into space. So even even the uh, pedants out there have to admit that it's space, unlike the Virgin uh, Galactic, where there's debate about it. Um, and ju- we'll see. I mean, is it is it a publicity stunt? Sure, <laughs> but it's pretty good. It's a pretty good one. Put Captain Kirk in space. That's pretty good. I mean... At 90 years old? That's a good move. Wow. He's also... uh, I looked it up, actually. The person born the earliest to go into space, I think there are two people who were born in 1921 who went into space. So Shatner at 31, 1931, is not on that list. There were a couple of early astronauts in the late 60s who were born in 1921. And so that's the... you know, earliest you could have been born on planet Earth and get to space. Um, but still, 90 years old, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, you mentioned Virgin Galactic. There was an issue uh, a few weeks ago that the FAA had put a hold on their future launches because during their Richard Branson flight of Spaceship Two, uh, there was a deviation from the flight plan. And it looked like they ended up straying into unprotected airspace, airspace that they had not claimed in advance that they would be using. Obviously, that creates uh, safety issues, and they want to look at the process that led to that and why it wasn't disclosed. Uh, The FAA has 
given Virgin Galactic some specific instructions on how it communicates during flight operations um, and uh, revisions to their calculations uh, that come up with the airspace that they're requiring, basically. So broadening the amount of airspace that will be protected for them and also working on the process to just upload or to, I guess, give information to the FAA as it becomes available. Uh, this postponed uh, a Spaceship 2 flight that was supposed to happen a few weeks ago. Uh, now they're looking at some time in mid-October, late October, but a date has not been announced yet. And uh, after that launch, Virgin says it will be doing maintenance on both the spaceship and the carrier aircraft so they'll be able to fly more frequently. So they want to be able to, uh, again, push the reusability angle. This stuff is is built to be reused, but they want to make that turnaround faster, something that SpaceX, of course, has been focused on uh, hmm. a lot. And now Virgin Galactic and others are following them in that, which is, which is fantastic. That's one thing these companies can really do that things like the SLS can't. And so we should see Virgin Galactic and Spaceship Two uh, back to flight here pretty soon. Yeah, and then um, yeah, like pretty soon, and then a pause, and then next year they'll be back. And and they want to step up the cadence, which I like. That's mm-hmm. uh, that makes sense for them and what they're trying to do. They want to get a lot of people out there because they're going to paying uh, paying customers, uh, tourists, and also some scientists. So there's a whole bunch of reasons for them to get more frequent with this stuff. Um, I want to tell you a little, i give you a Russian film, Russian cinema update. Perfect. <laughs> this is the podcast for it. <laughs> um, well, they made it to the ISS. Yes. Director Klim Shipenko and actress Yulia Parasild have uh, arrived at the International Space Station to film The Challenge, the Russian film about a doctor who is sent to the ISS to treat a sick patient. Um... They actually had to manually dock Anton, uh, what is it, Shkaperlov, the commander, the one non-director or actor on the Soyuz. He had to uh, manually dock. They had bad communication issues with Moscow Mission Control and the automated docking wasn't working, so he did it manually. And uh, I think some interesting things about this, they did what they call a two-orbit rendezvous with the ISS. So basically, when we talk about these launches happening and then saying, well, they'll 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 be at the ISS in a day or two days. And, and that's uh, usually what happens is that it takes a few orbits to catch up with the ISS, but they did this one with a two orbit rendezvous. So it took three hours basically to get to the ISS. I assume that has something to do with the priority of this as a filmed thing, but I don't know. Um, I also assume that the whole launch was, you know, that they had cameras and mounted inside the Soyuz so that they could use film of the launch in the movie but i don't know that either i'm sure we'll get a lot more detail on all of this as this uh as this mission or film shoot or whatever it is uh continues and uh, and then plenty of hype thereafter um i also find myself keep wondering what the uh the rest of the crew of the iss keeps thinking and will keep thinking as this is going on like I'm doing my experiments over here or I'm riding my, my, my exercise bike over here and there, <laughs> there, there's like a film shoot happening down there. I, I don't know. It's uh, strange times, I guess. Or, or maybe they're just sending an email to Tom Cruise saying, you'll be so bad, much better at this than them. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And the challenge will include between like 35 and 40 minutes of footage made on the station. So not... The full length movie, movie, no, but you know, a good chunk of it, 
I would yeah, imagine well, that, you know, based on what we know about the plot, there'll be some that happens on the ground and getting the doctor ready to go to space. And like you said, maybe some launch and, and flight footage. Right. But, um, yeah, Tom Cruise has plans. Um, he that does. was reported a couple years ago. Still out there. Still maybe. out there. Could happen. That'd be a, a SpaceX to the ISS to shoot uh, part of a movie at the ISS and, and in, in space. So we'll, you know, anyway, space movies, they're happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one you'll have to watch with subtitles unless you speak Russian, but uh, yeah, I'm sure they're making a big, they're going to, they'll keep talking about it. It's a, it's a pretty good publicity stunt as they go. I got to say. Uh, uh, why don't you tell, give me an update about uh, the one that, the one that we haven't gotten to yet. The one we haven't mentioned Starliner. What's up with Starliner? Yeah, Starliner. Uh, before we do, I want to back up a second. Eric oh, okay. and the the Discord brought up, is it possible that Shatner is the person who won the Blue Origin seat, but then couldn't make the flight? I don't know if I've seen that reported, but definitely possible. He'd have the means to do so. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's such a great... Uh, promotion for them i wonder if they wonder if he, they gave him a, like a deal maybe a discount i don't know okay so remember now six weeks ago or something starliner was ready for its second uncrewed test flight after a pretty rough one a couple years ago and there were issues with uh, stuck valves and they were able to unstick some of them but not the others they were like working on it basically on the launch pad, like down at the Cape and were unable to fix it. And so they, they rolled it back to the factory. This has uh, understandably created some ripples in the commercial crew program and schedule. And Eric Berger is reporting that NASA is moving some of its astronauts scheduled to ride on the Starliner to future crew dragon flights. So if you're an astronaut in the commercial crew program, you are put onto both paths for training because these are two different spacecraft. They operate in two different ways. But as Starliner has been delayed and delayed, they're basically taking some that were focusing more on Starliner and retraining them completely on Crew Dragon because those launches continue more or less as scheduled. Yeah, I mean, you can see why they do this, right? It's like they 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 put astronauts into both uh both uh I don't know what the right metaphor is here. Classrooms. <laughs> uh I well, I was thinking like but like um like pathways to the two, right? Like you you either need to learn this or you need to learn that. So we'll we'll load up the 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 tube with uh with the SpaceX people and the Boeing people. And now they're looking at the Boeing conveyor belt. How about that? The Boeing conveyor belt is rolling. And the or, or the SpaceX one's rolling and the, the Boeing one is not moving. And they're like, we're going to take these rookie astronauts that really need to be in space and we're going to just move them over here because uh, it makes sense. I mean, it really makes sense. They, they haven't needed... The total number of astronauts needed for Starliner so far is zero. And they've already gone through several missions on the Crew Dragon side. So it, it really does make sense, but it is also kind of telling, right, that... That, you know, there's a set of astronauts who have have trained up on Starliner who are now going to go train up on Crew Dragon because mm. there's there's more rides over there for now. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be months. It looks like sometime potentially well into next year before 
Starliner is ready again and they have to have a rocket and they have to have uh, space at the International Space Station. There's all of these things that have to line up for its second uncrewed test flight. And that really could mean that it's a ways off. And so instead of holding those crews up and holding those those flights up, moving them over to Crew Dragon means you can keep working. And this yeah. is why there's two companies involved, right? It's the whole point of commercial crew that you have redundancy built in. Yeah, if your first Starliner with a crew, which would be the test flight, isn't until the second half of 22, then even if that goes well, you're talking about maybe late 22 for the first operational crew. And it's just, it's it's going to be too long for for that. And you there's no guarantee that it won't be delayed further. So... Um, it does mean if you're if you're one of those reassigned astronauts, you're gonna have to learn this new vehicle, but you may get to space sooner than you were going to otherwise. And I think that's the idea. So yeah. it's a tough time for Boeing and Starliner and everybody who's involved with it. Um, and not we have not yet heard any details about what their investigations have found. Mm-mm. I did read a report that suggested that if they need to take those valves apart in order to, from the service module, to actually figure out what's going on, then what they would do is they would bring a different service module that was meant to be part of the the next set of missions, and they'd bring it forward and use it for the test flight instead because they want to get on with it. But, um, you know, everybody's being positive. Uh, Kathy Leader said, you know, they're, they're working on it and it's looking good, but, like, it's also very clear that um, it's not going to be anytime soon. And even that sort of move, I guess, has an assumption built into it that this is a problem with just the service module. Uh, I mean, not that they wouldn't test uh, a, another module, but if it ends up that it's something systemic with the design, then they've got bigger problems. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a uh, it's a mess, but they're they're working on it, which is great. Um, but it's uh, it's a mess. And remember, it was what I mean. It was a year ago when they had their their launch that didn't that had the software issues and they decided that they did have to do another test and like and now here we are that that test has gotten delayed and it's just it's one thing after another with this so we'll keep our eye on it yeah that's been the story of starliner for years mm-hmm. now unfortunately yeah jason it's time for the sls segment Ooh, sls segment do you mean the space launch system segment explaining geopolitics mechanical systems engineering achievements news and trivia i do Oh, I do mean I do mean that. Yeah, uh, we spoke uh, about a month ago about some of the testing going on with the SLS. It is in the vehicle assembly building, being the core stage, and the solid rocket booster is being mated and put together. Eventually, the Orion capsule and the adapter will be put on top. Uh, they have not been joined yet because they are actually loading in. Uh, going back to your previous topic secondary payloads which are a bunch of cubesats they go in the stage adapter and so they are giving those teams as much time as possible before having to have the cubesats in there and everything get get sealed up so there's a mass uh simulator on top of the sls basically it's a big block of metal that that weighs and is the same shape and size as the orion capsule and that's let them uh, finish out the testing, the vibration testing in particular, that they needed to get done while it was in the vehicle assembly building. The other test that has recently completed is the umbilical release and retract test. Uh, 
So all of the tethers and swing arms, everything attached to the rocket when it's on the stand, all that has to get out of the way when it's time to launch. And, right. you know, you can remember this from like the iconic Saturn V footage, but even watching ULA and SpaceX and others launch now, these umbilicals always come out just at the very last moment. It's a very uh, critical step. With the SLS, actually, the uh, the mechanism to release all of them is triggered by the same signal to start the SRBs, and so it is the very last possible minute, and it makes sure that the, the rocket can climb and not and not tear anything off the, the mobile launch platform. Uh, there are over a dozen of these connections up and down the SLS, uh, all but a couple of them were part of this test, but things that were included are like communication lines, uh, power, fuel lines, connections that help vent, uh, because when you stick a bunch of super chilled rocket fuel in a rocket in Florida, you vent a lot of it out. And so some of those help keep the venting away from the rocket. And uh, NASA has this video, they put it on Twitter and it's in the show notes, where you can see all of these things coming away from the rocket in the vehicle assembly building. And they can do it in the VAB because the tower is built on top of the mobile launcher one that the SLS is sitting on. Uh, we spoke about this a couple of years ago at this point, but that mobile launcher, that tower, I should say, will be replaced with an upgraded one that's being built for later, more powerful versions of the SLS. Uh, remember there was debate about, do you build two of them now and you overhaul one of them later, but they end up building two. And so it's a bit, um, it's a bit messy there, but uh, this test was, uh, was successful and it is now pretty much time to start mating the Orion stage adapter and the Orion capsule. Again, this is an uncrewed version of the capsule uh, putting that atop the SLS and rolling it out to the pad for the pad test. And so we are really knocking things off the list now in terms of getting closer and closer to launch. Yeah, it feels like, I mean, again, you never know because anything could happen, but they are checking off a lot of boxes. Um, I like the idea that, you know, yeah, if you want, the last thing you want is for a tether or something to not pop off, right? That, that's not good you don't want that so good to test that uh and and yeah when you when you mate the capsule to the top and roll it out to the pad like that's serious that's serious business it's a rocket at that point you know it looks like a rocket it's all complete uh and that will be very soon uh space explored had a had a story last week that actually the the mass simulator has actually already come off and so they are uh, they should be lifting that Orion capsule up there here pretty soon. And of course, we'll talk about when they talk about it when they do. All right. We have a lot to talk about with Blue Origin. They're just all over the news. Uh, but let me take our second break real quick and then we'll get into this. Okay. This episode of Liftoff is brought to you by privacy.com. We've all had the time where we are paying for something online or in person and we think, should I be handing my credit card or debit card number over to this institution? Maybe you're like me and you've had those numbers stolen over the years and you get nervous about it. Well, privacy is a tool that makes it easy to manage your financial life online while keeping that most important information secure. And they do this by generating virtual card numbers. So you never have to worry about giving it out to people or places you don't know online. And it's really 
really simple to use. They have all these different tools you can use and you can combine them in different ways. You can decide who can charge your card, how much can be charged against it, how often it can be charged. Uh, You can also create cards with spending limits or single use or even merchant locked cards. So I can only use this card at Snell's Deli, but nowhere else. And if that number shows up somewhere else, I know Snell's Deli did it. Jerks. In this ad, you run a sandwich shop. Sorry. That's why I don't. Yeah. (laughs) A shady sandwich shop. Because bad stuff like this would happen. (laughs) No way. Uh, And you can use these tools to make sure that you're never accidentally billed twice for a service or upgraded to some other service without your consent. And if you use 1Password, privacy is built into 1Password now. They have a really cool partnership. So you can create, use, and save privacy cards directly from within 1Password. And all of those virtual cards created in 1Password have the same security benefits as other privacy cards. Head on over to privacy.com slash liftoff to sign up for an account. New customers will automatically get $5 to spend on their first purchase. That's privacy.com slash liftoff to sign up now. Our thanks to Privacy for their support of the show and Relay FM. Several months ago, uh, the human landing system contracts uh, were handed out. This was a, uh, or is a partnership between NASA and private company or companies to build the human landing system for Artemis missions. Uh, Artemis works differently or will work differently than Apollo, where they took everything on one flight and basically went from Earth to lunar orbit down to the surface and then back. Uh, We have Lunar Gateway involved now as a stepping stone in in between Earth and lunar orbit and then lunar orbit and touching down on the moon and blue origin uh and their quote national team which include partners like uh like uh ula i believe was involved in that uh and northrop grumman they had a bid of 5.9 billion dollars uh, spacex with their starship had a bid of about 2.9 billion dollars it was becoming clear leading up to this that congress was not going to give nasa an amount of money that would support both. And so NASA was able to uh, pay for and approve the SpaceX proposal again at 2.9 billion. This set off a bunch of things. Uh, The GAO started looking into it, the government accountability office, seeing if there was anything improper about the way this was awarded. Blue origin has filed suit uh, against NASA and federal court saying that uh, they basically have buddied up to SpaceX and we get into some details about that and that uh, Blue Origin wasn't given a, a fair shake. It's pretty wild NASA's point of view. And so The Verge filed a couple of Freedom of Information Act requests and got just uh, a bunch of paperwork about this. And NASA attorneys uh, back in May uh, wrote a report, and I just want to read a sentence from this, or a couple sentences, because it's pretty spicy. Uh, So this is from NASA attorneys. Realizing now that it gambled and lost, Blue Origin seeks to use the GAO's procurement oversight function to improperly compel NASA to suffer the consequences of Blue Origin's ill-conceived choices. That's uh, that's pretty intense for uh, government lawyers, I think. 
And and basically, NASA's point of view is Blue Origin bet that there would be funding for a proposal this big, and there's not, and they have to live with that. Yeah. Which yeah. isn't yeah. unfair, I don't think. No, I, I definitely got the, a whiff of this whole story being really kind of like, you guys didn't un- don't understand how the game is played. <laughs> like, you you don't you don't come in with a high bid and then figure that they're going to come in and, and, and talk you down. Like, your bid is your bid. And although they did come in and make a deal with SpaceX to stretch it out, you can't you can't go into the bidding process expecting that to happen. So short of Blue Origin proving that SpaceX set its bid the way they did, knowing that they would be um, negotiated down from that price, um, which there's, I think, no evidence of that, then um, I'm not sure they have a leg to stand on here. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, I think that anyone looking at this, like you could just look at the raw numbers and say, okay, well, they can't pay for this. Like your your proposal just came in higher than the budget. That's not to say that it, it has come down purely to numbers. And so one of the things Blue Origin complained about was that in their view, SpaceX was given an unfair advantage over government safety reviews. So these are reviews, uh, they're called flight readiness reviews, and they come two weeks before each rocket launch uh, within the the proposed plan. Uh, Blue Origin's proposal said that they could do it in three commercial launches with a safety review for each launch. SpaceX's plan is kind of bonkers on the surface of it. It's like 16 launches, the orbiter fuel station, all the stuff they've outlined about Starship, right? Where you launch it and then refuel and then go. And Blue Origin argued that, well, uh, all of those individual launches weren't going to have their own flight readiness reviews, that SpaceX was going to be able to get away with not doing them for all uh, all those launches. Uh, Elon Musk fired back on Twitter and said, we do flight readiness reviews for every launch. This is silly. But um, Blue Origin argues that, hey, if there was going to be flexibility here, we could have proposed a, quote, entirely different architecture for lower prices that would have given it a better chance for the award. Well, then why didn't you? Then why? Yeah. Then why didn't you? And does changing the flight readiness review open the door to an entirely different architecture? I don't. I just don't know. I yeah yeah you gotta wonder when you bid six billion like was I mean it sends a message you're saying like here it is uh, pay us a lot of money for this and you, it's a bidding pro it's a competitive bid like you're you're trying if you had an alternative method you should have bid the alternative method right I I'm not saying the blue origin is being untruthful here but it certainly feels like they're trying to play play the game to get back in. Um, and that's obviously what they want. And so now it's kind of up to this court decision as to what happens. If the court finds that NASA did bend its own rules to award it to SpaceX, then Blue Origin has the ability to rebid and submit a new proposal. Obviously, that would take time. 2024 is already rapidly approaching and, and probably out the window. Turns out to go to the moon, you need to be able to land on the moon. This is a critical part of the of the Artemis program. And so any more delay is something NASA wants to avoid. Uh, my guess is, and my gut says, that 
NASA and SpaceX will be able to move forward just fine. And remember, Blue Origin can write a proposal for later human landing systems. This is just for the first ones, and there's still room for them in this program. So we'll see where all this goes. But uh, even if, if Blue Origin loses this, that doesn't mean that their lander is out of the picture forever. Yeah. I, I uh, My concern with Blue Origin is uh, what's their relationship like, right? Like the, the sense I get from reading Eric Berger's tweets, since he's at ours, uh, he's sort of the space expert, uh, I would say, uh, observing this stuff, my favorite journalist covering this stuff, is a real question about like, the attitude that Blue Origin has and if they're really kind of turning people off because contesting awards and stuff, you can do some of that. But I I, I think Eric senses some real frustration that is building up with Blue Origin about how they're behaving. And uh, that's that's bad for business. Yeah. And we've, we've spoken to, this is not the only place Blue Origin has potential friction with partners right? Uh, ULA is using their new engine for its new rocket. And that's behind, as we spoke about several episodes ago. And you just got to wonder is like, is Blue Origin burning a bunch of goodwill to get into this program? And even if they do, is like anyone going to want to work with you? Or have you made things so difficult that you're, you've kind of shot yourself in the foot on the way, on the way through the door? I've mixed my metaphors badly, but... (laughs) Yep, I don't know. It's a um let's just say there are lots of issues with Blue Origin and what they're doing there. And uh it's been exacerbated, I think, by this particular issue, um, by something we're about to talk about, and I think maybe by Jeff Bezos basically, you know, retiring from Amazon and having time on his hands to focus on Blue Origin and maybe I, I think you could throw in there that Bob Smith, who's the CEO of Blue Origin, like there's obviously a lot of pressure on him from the richest man in the world. So there's a lot going on here, but um, I don't know. Like Jeff Bezos has all the money. So that's a pro, I guess, for them. Um, and he's engaged now, which I think is good, but it does feel a little bit like everybody is trying to uh, cover themselves and their previous behavior uh, and like i don't know when they lost this bid like all the lawsuits and all that it feels like that the heads are gonna have to roll at blue origin over this because they they were so focused on this lunar lander thing and it's very clear that they blew it and and instead of agreeing they blew it and moving on to the next thing they're going to keep complaining that there's a conspiracy against them and that it's not fair and I don't know. I mean, at some point, you just gotta maybe shoulder the responsibility for having bid six billion and being beaten out by something that was half that. Shall I? Shall I talk about this other ugly thing with Blue Origin? Yeah, because I mean, I think that's a perfect seg- segue talking about sort of their attitude towards this. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, what is just, going on ooh. at Blue Origin? I don't know, but but a uh, former. Director of Employee Communications at Blue Origin, Alexandra Abrams, and 20 other current and former employees, mostly uh, anonymous because many of them are afraid for their jobs or for bringing uh, too much scrutiny on them from 
uh, the richest man in the world and his employees, uh, posted a scathing essay last week detailing a whole bunch of organizational problems for Blue Origin, among them that it's not sufficiently attuned to safety concerns, which I would say is, while, while not as dramatic as some of the others, is the number one problem and several of the people um, when uh, contacted by other sources and then abrams in her statement said um, that they wouldn't feel safe flying a blue origin spacecraft Um, that's not great Mm -mm. that that the uh, essay also says that blue origin turned a blind eye to sexism that their male their their uh Senior technical and program leaders are 100% male, that there were people who were harassing women who um, were not, that that HR basically did not properly discipline them and they didn't leave the company until allegedly they committed even worse acts and were finally had to let go, that executives were able to make uh, sexist statements in meetings, um, uh, in- including somebody who is a former astronaut who works for Blue Origin, who pa- basically said, you should listen to me because I'm a man. Uh, so it sounds like a really great environment. Uh, Blue Origin recently forced all of its employees to sign a non-disparagement contract that would last forever and force them to pay the corporation's legal fees if they sued them for violating their contract. Wow. Um, which not only... I have questions about the legality of that, but what a message to send to your employees that you will never, ever speak ill of us ever. And then, of course, that creates an environment where if anything bad happens, you can't speak ill of it Um, or or you could go inside. You could keep it in the family. But one of the other allegations here is that the company silenced those who sought to correct wrongs inside the company that professional dissent i don't think we should do it this way this has issues um we might want to look at this again is actively stifled that the bob smith the ceo tried to make it hard for people to ask questions at company town halls to the point where at at some point it got so watered down that he actually took a question at the town hall about his favorite flavor of ice cream not a great look uh (laughs) he apparently told a colleague to track down and track the troublemakers inside the organization so creating a little bit of a, a, a a surveillance list or a blacklist um and that employees were forced out for speaking out about safety issues, which brings us back to that first point again. Um, not good at all, or as I guess the meme is not great, Bob, and no. there's a Bob involved, right? So that's perfect. And Bob Smith's response was uh, to do some damage control, do a bunch of denial, encourage employees to contact him directly. Um, Blue Origin also immediately accused Alexandra Abrams of being terminated for violating export regulations, which she said she was literally never told about, which I I think is one of those, like, they immediately went to smear her. The one person who was willing to be on the record was immediately smeared by the corporation. So, you know what? What I got to say is, what I said before, Jeff Bezos has all the money. He is interested in this company. Um, perhaps the, uh, I didn't even get into the fact that they also like studied SpaceX and did a whole thing about like, how can we be, how can we duplicate SpaceX? That's another thing that was kind of percolating through here. And that could be good. That could also be bad. Um, but what this all says to me is that this company was built as a sideline for a super rich guy who was sort of interested in this stuff. And it got, and they did a bad job. 
for a long time and built a culture that was really unpleasant and and they didn't have a lot to show for what they were working on and and they've now lost this contract and uh now the rich guy is more engaged and everything seems to have been ugly and is getting uglier i guess our only hope is maybe that this they get on the other side of this and they use this as a moment to uh, reflect and change the corporate culture. I will say there is no chance of that happening as long as Bob Smith is the CEO of Blue Origin. I've had the distinct feeling for a year now that Bob Smith is desperately trying to do anything he can for Jeff Bezos not to fire him. But um, he, he uh, I think all you need to know about Blue Origin is, is Bob Smith, Smith still employed there? Um, if so, I'd write him off because it sounds this sounds like a terrible place to work. Um, badly run, uh, blaming everybody but themselves for their failures. Um, I, I mean, I'm sure it's look, I'm sure that working at SpaceX is really hard too, and that there are probably lots of issues with the way that that company is run. However, I will point out that they have ultimately they have done a lot of things. And Blue Origin's done very little. So that's, that's I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. They, they sound like a lousy company that's done a bad job. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've got all the money in the world, apparently, at least potentially, because they've got their owner, who's the richest man in the world. And this is what we have to show for it, is a couple of suborbital launches, some PR, um, a, 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 a too large of a bid... That led them to be rejected, at which point they uh, had a tantrum and sued everybody. Um, so, yeah, Stephen, what I'm saying is I'm down on Blue Origin. Yeah, these two <laughs> stories, I'm glad that we we put them together because this culture that is described uh, by these by these employees, the company's actions in the the human landing system case, like of course that's how a company that acts like this internally would act externally. These two these two stories are two sides of a coin. And I also can't help but think about the the parallels when we hear complaints about Amazon and how it is run in in certain aspects of its company and warehouses and delivery people and and all those sorts of things and there seems to be I mean, if you read through their letter there's a section that really jumped out at me of like, be grateful for Bezos's money. Don't ask for more. And you kind of get that sense from Amazon too, right? Like don't, you know, we're not going to invest in people. We, we're not going to pay them more. We're not going to give them time off. We're, we're not going to to make our warehouses and driver uh, drivers feel uh, safe and valued. And maybe it's not a good thing that it has Bezos's full attention. It sounds like this is a company that could really benefit from leadership that can stand up to that founder or at the very least get rid of the CEO you have now. And I I totally agree with you. I think as long as he's there, uh, this company's in trouble. Uh, It kind of, uh, you know, it kind of makes me think about, I mean, we cover a lot of tech, uh, but also, I mean, even SpaceX with uh, Gwen Shotwell having adults come in and run companies blue origin clearly needs that at the at the top and probably all through the middle as well managers and uh executives who not only know what they're doing which i don't think i don't think bob does uh but also who can run a company in a way that is 
right and respectful of their employees and their mission. And it's got to be disheartening to be to be working there. I agree with you. It's 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 very disappointing to read, but at the same time, I wasn't I wasn't shocked by it, and that that says a lot yeah. to me. Yeah, I agree. So we'll see what happens with them. As as we'll see, I mean, we'll see what happens with literally everything. But they're in a they're in a little bit of a crucible here, where they're gonna they're gonna pick up more publicity like they did with the Jeff Bezos flight. If they do the flight with William Shatner, you know, I I get it. But like in the end, a bunch of suborbital. Uh, tourist launches, like that is not what their goal is. They're they're thinking a lot bigger than that. They have Jeff Bezos really engaged. Um, it, it seems like they need to figure a lot of stuff out now. It may be that it's already moving toward being a different company now that Bezos is more engaged with it and unhappy about some of the things that have gone on. Um, but then again, it may be that the rich guy who owns it is coming in and knocking things over and it's actually, he's just making it worse. And that's entirely possible too. So, because yeah. money can't solve everything, you actually do need to bring, build a culture that is going to lead you to success. And um, I, don't, I don't see a lot of that at Blue Origin. I, I see a lot of blaming other people for their own missteps and uh, having people uh, who work there step out and say that it's actually kind of a terrible place to be and that they're worried about the safety and security of the of the actual missions is uh, the most damning of all. It is. And they are in an extremely competitive environment and they, they will not keep good people if this is how things are going inside. And those people have lots of options in terms of other companies they can go work for. Yep. Ooh, well, that's all a big bummer. Yuck. Anyway, did I tell you about this CubeSat? It's called Cute. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Colorado Ultraviolet <laughs> Transit Experiment. Yeah, because it's the University of Colorado at Boulder that's doing that. To doing the CubeSat, so that's why Colorado's in there. They're not just checking Colorado; they're checking on on uh, hot Jupiter. We're, we're looking for ultraviolet in Colorado. Let's, let's find hot <laughs> hot Jupiters in Colorado. There are very few. That sounds a little bit like a, a text ad you'd find on a CD website. There are hot Jupiters in Colorado looking for you right now. That's not what it's doing. Cute is looking outward uh, into the universe. You and know, it's adorable. Maybe you open a dispensary in Colorado and call it Hot Jupiter. Totes, totes adorbs, cute. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to find links to the stories we spoke about, head on over to our website at relay.fm slash liftoff slash 160. You can find us on Twitter. Jason is Jasonell, and you can find me there as ISMH. We'll be back in a fortnight, Jason. Until then, say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, y'all.